It's all Wanda. But actually, it was Agatha all along. But actually, it was mostly Wanda. We discuss episodes 7 and 8 of WandaVision and how powerful grief can be as I get a lot of grief from my co-hosts on episode 23 of Krypton 2 Alderaan. Please tell your friends about our show. Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast that understands that there's always a bigger podcast. I sound like Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> um, which is why we need your help, listeners. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun creating this podcast, but we'd love to reach more listeners. So please, please, please subscribe, rate, review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening from. And also, if you could tell some friends about our podcast, that would be a tremendous help. Because I've already told all my friends. <laughs> they all already know. They're all already on the podcast. They've, they've <laughs> already all told me we're not going to listen to your podcast. So I need your friends to listen to my podcast. And we'd also love to chat. And as I think everyone, I have a very love-hate relationship with Twitter. So it'd be fun to interact in a, in a, in a nice way. Uh, so reach out. We're on Twitter at Krypton Alderon. You could send us an email at Krypton to Alderon at gmail.com. And that's all of it. Rate, review, subscribe, and pass it along. Please. Thank you. We love you listeners. Keep listening. Stay tuned for the end of the show. On to the next thing. <laughs> One more piece of serious business before we get into funny business. I believe, and I think I can speak for all the hosts of Krypton to Alderaan, that it is important to shed light on and actively participate against bigotry, ignorance, and injustice. Recently, a Star Wars cast member was fired for their ignorance and bigotry. And in response, a group of wonderful Star Wars fans created a GoFundMe called Trans Rights Are Human Rights, This Is The Way, to benefit the Transgender Law Center. And so far, they've raised over $20,000. And to show support to the trans community, Krypton to Alderaan has made a donation, and we encourage anyone out there listening to do the same. It's certainly not enough to just be against. It's important to be against, but it's very important to also do against. So to quote their GoFundMe page, let's flood the Star Wars community with support, love, and vibrance for all gender identities. We will post a link and info on our Twitter, so you will be able to find out all the information there. Okay, so I'm Joey, <laughs> and with me is Royce. Hello, podcast. Robin. Hello. And for the first time ever, our show has a legitimate expert host. Dr. Lorelai. Hello! And we are the podcast that talks all about nerdy pop culture stuff, but as you might have already gleaned, it's mostly me not effectively making my point. <laughs> Hello, friends and co-hosts. <laughs> Hi, Joey. How are you all doing? What have you all <laughs> been up to the past couple of weeks since we've talked on the record? <laughs> Royce? 
I finally finished my book that I've been reading since Christmas. Is that Christmas? Anniversary? They're like pretty much the same time frame. So not really impressive one way or another. Two weeks It later. takes me a long time to read a book, even if I really like it. But I've been actually really enjoying reading during quarantine more so than my entire other portion of my life. It's the only thing that doesn't stress me the hell out. Reading. Who would have thought? But so I finally finished uh, I Am C-3PO by C-3PO, Anthony Daniels himself. Wow, did you know that Hayden Christensen built Anthony Daniels? <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh, man. It is like such a depressing read, though, because it starts off with him being like kind of beat up that he's underappreciated as C-3PO. And he recounts the entire history from being in the originals to the prequels and then also in the sequels. There's lots of little fun adventures along the way. But it's very clear that he wanted to make sure people understood how much he actually brought to that character, man. And I feel bad for him. He even laments that he didn't get a theme song written for him. That he's like, everybody else got theme songs, but George Lucas never asked John Williams to write me a theme song. Oh my goodness. I kind of felt for that, though. You're like, oh, That is heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, maybe he doesn't, C-3PO shows up on scene and you need a little like John Williams fanfare, but he doesn't have a theme song, which is kind of crazy. Well, didn't you say he also doesn't get any credit for the first movie on like the posters and stuff? Yeah, his name's not on it. It just says like Mark Hamill and droids or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's the whole thing is he's like, people didn't see my face in the movie, so they just assume that I am an inanimate object that has like no value, just like any other prop would. But he takes it real seriously. And it's one of those things you like go behind the scenes. You maybe learn a little bit too much about it. But you can also, um, next time I see the films, I haven't seen any Star Wars since reading the book. But next time I see it and you see C-3PO doing something, there's Anthony Daniels on the inside making it work. And he's super proud of bringing that character to life. So much so that like he literally wrote a whole book to like bitch slap anyone that thinks that He's not the man, but it kind of reads like with that little bitter taste. So kind of odd, but he also really loves Star Wars. So for how like underappreciated he feels, you can still feel the love in there like any other Star Wars person. Like it made his whole career, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's really important because A, I find that if I don't particularly like something, but read or see an interview with someone who was involved with the creation of that thing, it changes my perspective to see their passion about it. And secondly, Star Wars is so full of stuff like that, like Anthony Daniels, Yoda. Like Frank Oz gets all the credit for Yoda, but it was in fact a multitude of people. And then one of the puppeteers voiced Yoda, I think in Return of the Jedi, and Frank Oz was not involved. At some point, Frank Oz leaves and another guy takes over. That's my point. And he is uncredited. And then Darth Vader is probably the most famous example. For sure. Different guy in the suit than is the voice. You know, there's just like a a disconnect there of of who is actually involved. So, yeah, that's I think that that's really incredible and gives you a whole new perspective on something. And then when you go back and watch it, you can have a whole new feeling about it. I would have never thought about it before. And you knew it was played by him, but... Like, he is the character, though. It's it's literally not just, like, a prop. Like, it's an animated thing 
from a human being performing it. And there's also a lot of cool stories of him like training other actors of like, oh, you're going to be in a robot suit. Like, I'm pretty much the most badass <laughs> robot in Star Wars. So <laughs> here's how you want a robot. Like he talks about training robots for like Canto Bite, like the scene where they have like tons of stuff going on. Yeah. So it's an interesting read. I assume I haven't read a lot of books. I have not, not a lot to compare it to. <laughs> <laughs> of the books I've read, it's interesting. <laughs> um, okay, Robin, what's new on 2020? Uh, or whatever else you want to talk about. 2020 wasn't that great. 2020 wasn't that great. The past couple of weeks, it wasn't that great. But I did get, for Valentine's Day, Super Mario 3D World for Nintendo Switch, which... Nice. Came out like two days before Valentine's Day, so very impressive. But it's very good. I'm pleasantly surprised. I was a little worried that it was going to feel kind of childish. I haven't played a new Mario game in a very long time, but it's awesome. And the newest addition to Mario, in addition to like a raccoon suit and fireball suit and whatever else, you can be cat suit Mario. So cat suit Mario can climb walls. Which is pretty cool. And, uh, they occasionally meow. Yeah. When you beat a level, he, uh, screams and then he goes, meow, which is awesome. <laughs> it's very, very satisfying. Uh, very catered to today's internet crowd. Yes. Very catered to me. I'm very excited about it. I think I'm probably at least three quarters done with it at this point, but it's very, very good. I would highly recommend it. And that's what I've been doing with a lot of my that's time. Hilarious. In two weeks of playing Mario, you're so much farther than like a year of having Jedi <laughs> Fallen Order. <laughs> it's, well, it's fun. It's much more satisfying. Like you can play a level for five minutes and be like, I beat that level on to the next the level. The levels aren't terribly difficult puzzles that put you back at the beginning and strip all of, you know, bring all the bad guys back or whatever. Yeah, right. Every time you save, there's a, all the bad guys get read spawned yeah yeah it's it's much more satisfying and when you beat the level it's there's nothing in jedi fallen order where you're like i beat the level you're just like like you said i saved all the bad guys came back took forever to load took forever to load oh and my then goodness you yeah. die and you're like cool i just got set back on five hours of progress i'm never playing this again <laughs> not even if you're traveling between worlds in mario it's like you know at least you get like a theme song like elevator music it's very yeah. satisfying. Highly recommend. All right, cool. Uh, wait, no, I had more questions for you because some time ago, Robin, you sent me a picture of you having received the Umbrella Academy comic book. Yeah. Have you read it? Not yet. <laughs> okay, then never mind. It is on the list. It's on the coffee table. Listen, sometimes, you know, Couples rub off on each other, you know, the, their best qualities. And other uh -huh. times it's illiteracy. Yeah, like how Royce <laughs> used to really hate reading. And now I barely ever read. I right. might not even know yeah. how to read anymore. <laughs> Listen, you're the sum of the six people that are around you. And two of them are cats. So, so I'm a cat who can't read. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, <clears throat> uh, Lorelai? <laughs> yeah. What do you got? Um, well, I became a doctor, mm -hmm. so that Woo! was pretty cool. Woo! Don't ask me to look at your rash. I can't do anything about it. What about my rocks? Oh, I can look at your rocks. 
wanky face. <laughs> no. Uh... <clears throat> Lorelai is a doctor of geology. There's nothing weird or anything else going on. Well, that would make sense to <laughs> tee that one up, wouldn't going it? On. <laughs> so that was cool. What is that else? it? I mean, that's kind of. <laughs> I can. Go I don't know how you, you top want. that. I I don't know. It like it's absorbed my entire life for the last five and a half. I mean, really, I'm almost thirty, and I'm now done with school. Isn't that nice? <laughs> life is a school. All yeah, of life's a school. I'm a student of life. No, I'm just kidding. It's very exciting. Learner. We had many parties here. Just the. However many, how many of us are there? If you count Just all the, the chickens, two, 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 two human beings <laughs> in this house had many parties because champagne kept showing up. So yeah, that was nice. yesterday. We just drank champagne all day. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that was good. So that's what um, we've been into. <laughs> champagne is really good. It is. We've been making like champagne cocktails. They're great. Listen, so much has happened in the past couple of weeks. Since we've recorded, Lorelai became a doctor. Very different couple of weeks. <laughs> um, the new Superman and Lois show oh, premiered. Right. Resident Alien premiered. I've read comic books. It's just there's so much stuff that happened. So what do you want me to go with? I'm going to go with Superman and Lois. Superman and Lois is there's only been one episode. We've only seen the premiere. The next the second episode is tomorrow night. But I gotta tell ya. It's the Superman show so far that I've wanted to see for a very long time. It's like wholesome and deep and fun and good. Like just the word good. It's just very Superman and I'm really enjoying it a lot. So friends, listeners, I recommend checking it out. And that's that. Ask Robin about Umbrella Academy. She hasn't read it. Okay, on to the next (laughs) stuff. So, we have now seen episodes seven and eight of WandaVision, which means there is one episode left. Thank God. All right. Okay, well, that answers the question I was going to ask up top, which is how are we feeling in general about the show? But instead of that, let's just get into episode seven, and I'm going to start off with Stuff I Thought Was Neat, TM. (laughs) First off, I think it's really catering to us in the generation that we're in, in that it was the theme, the intro and the theme, and and most of the show was very, like, The Office-themed, right? Yep. And so I I think, yeah, and the fourth wall breaking stuff. Um, And I think that that's very fun. I think it also might point to John Krasinski having a role in the MCU. There's been discussion and and there's been fan rumors about him being Mr. Fantastic. And I don't know. A lot of this show is hinting at stuff in the universe. I'm not sure if that's a hint, but it sure feels like they had a lot of options and they went with The Office. There's the commercial for the medication called Nexus. Nexus in the Marvel Universe is... Well, it's a nexus of realities. It's sort of the gateway to the multiverse. So I think that we're getting closer to sort of opening up the gateways to the multiverse. And I think most importantly, most fun for me, the person that likes the show, (laughs) was Monica Rambeau going through the hex again and getting her powers. And the whole situation, her 
walking through the hex and hearing the voice, like hearing voices from her past. Like she heard her younger self. She heard her mom. She heard Nick Fury. And then she heard Captain Marvel. And then all of a sudden, bam, she, she got superpowers. And I think that that was a very cinematic scene. And also I was excited about it. And I thought it was a very exciting, entertaining scene. And that's the stuff I thought was neat. Does anyone have anything else they thought was neat about the episode in general? I thought it was the best episode yet. I thought you might say that. Robin, how did you feel about this episode? I mean, it was better than other episodes. Uh, I wouldn't say it was my super favorite. I wasn't... I mean, there were there were aspects of it that weren't that bad, like the part where Monica... Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, when she goes into the hex, like, that was cool, where you can see her eyes change. Any of the parts in the the episode where you'd see her eyes change and you'd be like, oh, she's probably a superhero now. Like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Not a big fan. I don't know if we're there yet, but the uh, Agatha reveal was not as cool as I feel like they could have made it. Yeah. It was a little bit shoehorned in at the end. By the way. We're setting up the next episode now. <laughs> Real quick. We forgot. Oops. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to talk a lot about that in our transition from this episode to the next one and our feelings about that. Do you have anything that stood out to you, Lorelai, that you thought was like, that's cool. That's a cool Marvel thing. Um. <laughs> All right, moving on. <clears throat> I really like the Darcy and Vision team up. That was like really fun. I that agree. Was fun. They finally like are doing, like I said it last episode that we recorded, like the A and B plots. Like I enjoy Vision's journey of like what he's doing to like solve the mystery kind of thing. So that was fun that they were like working together. And they had like a little buddy cop sort of thing going on. And in general, that whole fourth wall breaking vibe like works so well. I wish the whole show was just that since we all already are like office or, you know, insert whatever other show has that similar like shaky cam handheld cam format. Like that worked really well for them talking to the audience like revealing things. Mm -hmm. Wanda's like working out all their problems like on camera, right? Right. It just made sense. I kind of wish they were all like that, but it does make sense that they're just to that particular decade format of show, but I wish they were all like that. I also don't understand why Vision was affected by the sitcom thing. And then eventually he's like, why am I talking to you? I got stuff to do. Well, so... Like, why was yeah. he affected by it at all? I thought he already knew that he was like in the bubble and like was out of it. But then he gets like sucked into talking to like the fake documentary people. As I understand it, there's a couple of things going on with that. There's one, what we learn next episode is that it's that vision is a manifestation from Wanda. It's entirely her creation. There's no physical bit of vision. He is entirely susceptible to her will no matter what. And the only reason that he can break free is because that she created him based off of the real vision who has the opportunity to do that, but yeah. he's still susceptible to it. Second, what we learn later this episode is that to a certain degree, Agatha Harkness is controlling the narrative. So she is able to postpone vision from getting home. She can't have him get back to disrupt what she wants to do to Wanda. Yeah. So her magic is having some effect on him as well, which we see throughout the episode. That's just one of those things that, like, you better not think about it too hard, I guess. 
Well, I've thought about it very hard, and that is what I have to say. I don't like that explanation, though. <laughs> well, I do like that he was like, why am I talking to you? Because, like, he obviously is out. He finally breaks through, yeah. But at, when that first started, I was like, wait, isn't he already, like, in the know? Why would he even, you know, it was just well, odd. Well, certain, certainly when they're going through it, when he's sitting in the truck and they're at this and they're at the stoplight and all the stuff keeps prohibiting them from getting through, I... I turned to Lorelai and I was like, he can fly. Right. Just get out of there. And it's not until later that I realized, well, Agatha was stopping him from getting there. She couldn't have him show up. That's just the way the show worked. This was our real first episode getting into Wanda's head. Like, Robin, I think you brought up last time that the show's called WandaVision, but it's focusing a lot on Wanda. And you listed that as something you didn't really like, which I understand. But this episode was specifically about Wanda and specifically about her grief and sort of the introduction into why she did all of this, creating Westview and everything. And I thought that that was very powerful. The show is WandaVision. In this episode, they're separate. And Wanda's the one who starts breaking the fourth wall and discussing you know, the problems that she's facing. And I really liked that aspect of this episode. So, Robin, based off of the comment that you made last week about the show being too Wanda, this episode was almost exclusively Wanda, but you enjoyed it more, or did you enjoy that part of it less? Overall, I enjoyed it more, not relating to anything with Wanda. I just like that they're including more and more of reality and it's a less and less sitcom every episode. So the more the show progresses, the more I like it because it's less of that cheesy sitcom where they're not really telling you anything. And it's finally to the point where they're kind of breaking out of all of that and showing you what's going on and you're getting explanations and characters are figuring things out and it's just becoming more interesting. Yeah, she should have been giving that like fourth wall monologue the whole time like she could have had like a voiceover for the show or something like narrating it like you could like hear inside of her head or something that would have worked so well at a lot of different points you know it's not in the visual you're seeing but it ties in with the story kind of like when they just look at the camera and they tell you what they're actually thinking i like that yeah i think the reason that they didn't do something like that is touched upon in the next episode we're going to talk about so if I forget, remind me to bring that up, somebody. So now are we going to complain about the ending for 50 minutes? No, we're, I want to I bring up one. Well, I think I want to bring up a couple more points. One is that, hey, I was right. Sword wanted vision as a weapon. I said that last recording for anyone keeping You score. win! I think you said <laughs> Nothing. that the first episode. That obviously Sword is using vision for something. Yeah, they want his body. What I think is so interesting about this show is the level of grief and relatability. And Royce, you've talked on this podcast in the past specifically about something like The Boys, where you really enjoy superhero shows where people with superpowers are not necessarily the good guys. They're sort of deeper than that. They might do some heroic stuff, but they're also not really the best people. And I think... What this show does, as far as relatability, is that if any of us had this opportunity to make a fake reality in our moment of, in a huge moment of grief, I would take it, right? I think that's a very relatable thing. Like, 
even in just your imagination, if you had the opportunity to make this world where everything was perfect and you could live happily ever after, you would make it. And Wanda's just the manifestation of that. Like, we can see through her eyes what it would be like to enjoy that aspect of dealing with our grief, I think. So, does that do anything for you, Royce? I don't know. Because you have said that you like superpowers based more in reality. And I think that's a very relatable thing. Do you have notes on that? Uh, checking your notes? Yeah, I'm checking my notes. Not that, like, specifically. I thought the episode in general did a good job of bringing you into Wanda's world and caring about her, which is really all I wanted, like, superpowers or not. But yeah, you're right. Like, if I knew how to teleport, I would teleport through every red light <laughs> I ever was at. Or maybe I just wouldn't drive at all. But you know when you're at a red light and you're like, man, if I could just make it across the intersection, like, you know what I mean? I think that that's not exactly what I mean, but maybe this harkens back to the beginning where I said I don't make my point effectively. No, you did. <laughs> like, if you have powers, you're going to use them to your advantage. So whether that's making your fantasy yeah, world or making it through red lights. Specifically I, related to grief. I think, like, if someone, <laughs> if your loved one dies and you have the opportunity to change that in some way, isn't that a very relatable thing? It is, but she's all, like, I'm... She's crazy, though, is the other part of it. I don't think she's crazy. I think that this is a very understandable... I guess that's my point. I think this is a very understandable reaction to her situation. But also, she could have just, like, made herself a fake vision without taking over the minds and bodies of, like, thousands of other people. She went a so little far. in that way, she's, like, she is sort of... It's, like, more bad than just, I'm, you know, I'm grieving, and so I brought back the person that I'm missing. Sure, it's like, but she doesn't necessarily know that it's harmfully affecting them, and based on what happens in episode eight... She didn't intentionally do it. It just it just happened. Yeah, but that's not really an excuse. It's not, but, well, we'll get into it with next episode, maybe. Do you have any thoughts, Robin? Would you create a fake reality if something horrible happened to you? I mean, who wouldn't take over an entire See? town? That's what I mean. <laughs> basically enslave thousands of people if they had a okay, chance. Okay, moving on! <laughs> <laughs> Joey thought you were on his side and then... Nobody's on my side at all in this podcast, but I think that's what makes us very listenable. We all have different opinions. Tell your friends. We don't have different um, opinions. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so I just want to bring up one more thing before we get into the Agatha Harkness reveal. Monica Rambo shows up with superpowers and says the line... The only lies I told you were the ones that you put in my mouth. And my immediate thought was Taylor Swift. <laughs> Again? I just think that that's a Taylor... That's one of the two lines in this episode that's very Taylor Swift. Like, that seems like a Taylor Swift lyric. So, what are your thoughts <laughs> about that? I could see Taylor writing that. Uh, right? Did she write this episode? No, I don't think she did. But isn't that funny? Wasn't that a funny line? I thought that was a funny line. I think it's a good line. Okay. It was Agatha all along. I have very strong and mixed feelings about this reveal. It seems like this episode, based on my Twitter feed, is the most divisive episode, this one and the next one. So I want to know, before I go, how we all felt about the Agatha Harkness reveal. So... Robin, I know you've been chomping at the bit 
So what did you think? So my biggest complaint about the reveal is that they made it very Munsters-esque down to the font. The music kind of sounded like a spinoff on it. And then they went back to being very, very cheesy about the whole thing, which is my, those are my, I guess my two biggest complaints about it. I don't think the reveal was incredibly surprising, but I wish they had done it not like the Monsters TV show intro. <laughs> yeah, like what if they did it in the theme of The Office where there was some sort of like punch in? I, I wish they just did it without a cheesy theme song. If they just... Oh, I love the song though. And listen, if there's one thing the world is united about, it's that the song rocks. I'm going to disagree. And I think a large part of that is to do with the fact that Royce has been singing almost exclusively the Agatha theme song since we watched it. <laughs> and I'm going a little crazy. <laughs> like anytime it's silent, that's probably what he's going to start singing. <laughs> it's It was very reminiscent to me. Yes, I. they did sort of reflect back at like a past episode of the show with the intro. I liked that it was very Munster-esque or old sitcom-esque, like Hark sending back to to an earlier episode of the show. (laughs) But it was also, for some reason, to me, very reminiscent. And listeners, let me know if you felt this way, too, to the theme song to Clarissa Explains It All. I'm just going to assume that the only one else here who knows about that is Royce because he had to do a cover of it for a different podcast. But there was a show called Clarissa Explains It All in the 90s, I think, in early 2000s, maybe, where Clarissa explained it all. And it, <laughs> oh. the theme song <laughs> reminded me a lot of uh, it was Agatha all along. Listen, I watched a lot of that show as a okay, very great. young child. I don't, I mean, I guess maybe a little bit. I definitely yeah. got more monsters than Clarissa Explains It All. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, you should all go out and listen to Royce's cover of the song wherever it is. Lorelai, how did you feel about the reveal? I mean, I think it was about time that the big bad kind of got revealed. Up until this point, the only big bad was Wanda and like her own mind, right? So, and we always kind of had suspicions that something was up with Agatha, right? I don't know. I think I would have liked perhaps some more obvious hints earlier on in the show versus just like dropping this bomb at the end of the third to last, second to, third to last episode, that this is what's been going on the whole time. Yeah, I think that, well, I don't know. Like, this is the critical sort of conflict of the entire show, and we didn't know it was going on until now. They made a, a joke from the very beginning of the reveal. Yes. Um, but, I mean, that being said, I think it's like in in character for the show for like what's been going on in the show. I don't think it was that out of place. And now that, I mean, we'll talk about this next episode, but now that we like know a little bit more about what's going on, I kind of like the character and I like the idea of what's happening, except now it's like limited to the very end of the show. It's like they could have made a whole show, a whole season of the show about this conflict. And instead they made, three episodes about it. Well, they didn't want us to focus on, I mean, they didn't want us to focus on Agnes slash Agatha. They wanted us to focus on Wanda's grief and what she did in the wake of the blip and Avengers Endgame. So then make a whole show about that. Well. Why do you need the big bad? You, so that 
is a good lead into my perspective, which is I love Catherine Hahn. I love her in all kinds of stuff. I loved her in this, but I don't necessarily love her being the bad guy. I really loved the idea of there being no bad guy and it being a show about dealing with Wanda's grief and sort of this idea to be able to make a superhero show like this without the weight of a protagonist or an antagonist and just have it be Wanda's reaction to seeing Vision killed twice and then being erased from existence herself and the whole grief spawning from that and then having her and Vision resolve that conflict on their own as the resolution of the show, I think is extremely powerful and sort of an extremely healthy way for the show to go. I think the show might still go that way. I think I would have felt more happy with the way it was going without the introduction of any big bad, with it just being Wanda's grief. So, yeah, I had very mixed feelings about it, although I did say very early on that I thought Agnes was Agatha Harkness. That was a prevailing rumor, not just my own. But anyway, Royce, you got any thoughts on it other than what you've already spoken about? Yeah, uh, I really, and I think Robin and Lorelai brought up a lot of good points that I agree with that it just like waters down the reveal to do it in such like the cheesy way. If they kept it in theme with the rest of the episode, that would have been like make more sense if it just kind of like tied in with the whole flow instead of just like, the bomb drop of like, it's the different theme and like this new plot point kind of thrown at you. Your father, Han Solo. Like, I hate that stuff where it's just like, you know, we're not all idiots. Like we can like play along. We don't have to have it that like thrown in our face. I don't think they built her up at all. Like she's in the show and maybe you could go back, but like she was just a random character in the show to me. And I don't want to have to go back to like appreciate it. Maybe you could. I don't really want to. She comes in as like a villain of the week sort of thing. And that it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Like you said, you're the big bad now when you're like, it's all about Wanda and her grief. I guess I agree with you too, Joe, that I would rather have it be kind of more focused on that rather than like this puppet behind the strings being like a really random character, at least in my opinion. I don't know how she plays in the rest of the Marvel universe. Also a question I have more for the next episode in the series, but there's witches in Marvel, I guess. And like that, oh, going into the next episode, this just goes off the rails for me. But really awkward reveal. Didn't like it. It reminded me a lot of other series like 24 would do this often where you'd go through a whole like series or like half of the season and they'd run out of fucking ideas. And then they'd <laughs> say like, this person was a bad guy the whole time. They were working for the terrorists. And you're like, oh, okay, great. But that's how they like wrote 24 to like continue on people that were good guys turned out to be bad guys and like they are they're always flip-flopping or they're double flip-flopping oh my god the double flip-flop classic classic 24 arc <laughs> so that's kind of like what it felt to me where you just kind of like all right we got to switch things up because we don't know where the show's going so now we got a extra bad guy in the thing so again just yeah. part of that whole like meh this is what's happening this week. Yeah. So far, again, I'm going to point out that I believe the show has been very relatable in that we all suffer grief and we all want to make the perfect world for ourselves. And that's what Wanda was able to do. And by this episode, as she's starting to question her grief and maybe 
not maybe not come to terms with it, but more address it, reality starts to break down more and more. What we can't relate to is a witch being in control of some aspect of, well, what the four of us can relate to. I mean, maybe somebody out there can. Is Finally, being... something for me! <laughs> um, so I think that that really, again, it takes away from my sort of happiness with how the show is proceeding. But let's get into episode eight. I think there's a lot to say. One last thing is I'm going to say, Snooper's going to snoop, which... I just loved. I laughed out loud. I rewound it so we could watch it again. Is that supposed to be a Taylor Swift lyric too? Yeah, it's another Taylor <laughs> the Swift. The gonna snoop, 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 snoop. <laughs> I loved that. I'm very curious about where Fiatro is. Um, okay, we're running late. Episode eight. We get out of the sitcom format, which might be a little bit jarring, but we've sort of run out of decades at this point. But what we get that I really like, even though we've had the Agatha Harkness reveal, is we get like a deep dive into Wanda confronting all the tragedy that led up to creating Westview. And I think that that's extremely powerful and, again, extremely relatable. But they really want us to connect with this character. Again, like we've talked about in the past, we haven't been able to connect with WandaVision or Wanda in the previous MCU. There's been no opportunity for us to connect with that character. And they're trying really hard to get us there with this show. And I really enjoy that, and I really enjoy the way they're doing that. And this episode, for me, was just so powerful, taking that look into her past and into all the things that have caused her trauma. It wasn't just one thing that led to her creating Westview. It's the sum of all her trauma, and I think that that's something this episode does really well. Let's start by saying what this episode did for us. How did we enjoy this episode? Robin, I think we've been on a steady incline with you and enjoying this show, and so the last episode maybe wasn't, your, in your words, super favorite, but where did you land with this episode? This was my favorite of all the episodes so far. And I would probably attribute a lot of that to the fact it wasn't that sitcom format. It felt much more like a Marvel movie, which was way more interesting to me. And I also really loved the beginning of the show. I don't know how anybody else felt about that. But if they had started the entire series... That should have been the first scene of the whole thing. Yeah, if they started the series with the way they started this episode with, like, Agatha's backstory... While it's a little bit strange. And then you see her in the town. Right. It's a little a little bit strange, like Roy said, like there's witches in the MCU. But I thought it was really interesting. I like weird kind of spooky things. So I saw that and I thought it was really cool and really interesting. Had they started the entire series with this episode or at least with that scene, I would have been like, this show's awesome. I am in. But they waited, you know, eight million episodes to get there. But I still thought it was the best episode so far. It had much more interesting things. You learn everything that I wanted to know the entire series so far. You kind of started to finally learn about. So it was actually something interesting to kind of sink your teeth into. Yeah, I think that that's some real interesting points. For me, I think showing that up front would have revealed Agatha as the bad guy. And I think they wanted us to focus on Scarlet Witch and her grief, again, because I think they, they really want us to connect with this character. She's, she's a great character 
regardless of what the MCU has done so far. And I think that the creators of this show just wanted to show that. So, yeah, I understand. But having Agatha up front would have taken away from all of that. I also think, like, we didn't know there were wizards in the MCU until Phase 3. Now we're in Phase 4. Like, we didn't know until Doctor Strange. And so it's kind of just, you don't need to know who exists in the universe until you need to know who exists in the universe, as far as there being witches in the MCU. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I guess, I do really think that this would have been much more powerful for me if it were Wanda and Vision going through her past and her Mm. tragedies and confronting them together and then coming out the other side in a healthy therapeutic way and them deciding to release the townspeople and fight for their life together. Again, I like Agatha Harkness. I don't necessarily like that she's part of this. I don't don't think I like that because I think it would have been much more powerful for Wanda and Vision to go through that together. If Vision were like, let's confront your past to, to figure out what got us here, and they did that together, I... I would have just loved that. So it's a little, there's a little bit taken away from it with, with Agatha leading the way for her own motive, whatever her motive is. Yeah, she like wants to know why she's so powerful. It's, yeah. It's weird. What did, did you like this episode, Lorelai? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I think I agree with Robin that I would have appreciated it earlier on because I think Wanda is such like a fringe Avenger. Like we don't know anything about her besides that she has a, like, generic Eastern European accent and is an orphan. Like, that's pretty much the only thing you know about her in the Avengers movies. And, like, every other show starts with, like, the reasons why the character is doing what they're doing. So, in some ways, the show unfolded in a way that just, it, like, leaves you hanging. Like, you don't know why you care about this character. I don't know. I agree that they haven't set her up in the MCU for us to care about. So but like, I think they did set up why she did what she... We They reveal her backstory to be that her parents were killed by a Stark Industries weapon. Mm-hmm. They're experimented on to get powers. They fight the Avengers. She sends the Hulk on a deadly rampage. She blows up a building. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch... And then she loses vision again twice. But, like, what you love to say is, like, okay, show me, don't tell me, right? And in all the Avengers movies, it's like, oh, they say her parents were killed by a Stark weapon. And, like, it just doesn't connect. Like, no one... She's the character that I think I had the least connection with in the entire MCU. Well, that's the one bit of her tragic backstory that they don't show, though. They, they show a lot of it, but yeah. that's one that Pietro is like, when they're con- when they're first confronting the Avengers, Pietro talks about it. And in that sense, I interpreted it as less of a exposition yeah. and more of a, you're confronting the people who you believe to have killed your parents. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, that's fair, but nevertheless, every other MCU Avenger has had like three movies and Wanda hasn't had any. Well, so I don't so care about Wanda. That's the point I am trying to make. That's a really so. great point. And we're going to talk about that in our next episode. Okay. <laughs> we're going to talk all about who has gotten Marvel movies and who has not and yeah. why. Okay. But the 
the point that I'm trying to make is that I don't give a crap about Wanda when this show started. And now I do because I finally watched this episode. So maybe they should have put it earlier so that I gave a crap about her at the beginning. But that being said, I thought it was a really good episode. I thought that, like, I guess I don't really mind that it was, like, Agatha forcing her to confront all these things and, like, forcing her to relive these memories. But I I did think it was good. I guess it was... I guess there's been, like, two episodes now that are, like, totally removed from the sitcom yeah. world, right? So, and, and more in reality, which I think I agree again with Robin that those episodes are the the ones that I, like, kind of care about more because they're what's really going on, not just, like, Wanda's little fantasy. I agree. Royce, do you have any... Uh... <laughs> you obviously don't agree. I do. I agree <laughs> with you. I, I thought it was good. We've gone back and forth with our points about why. I don't know if I've heard Royce... I'll try to be... Quick. Say I, why he loved this episode more than anything he's ever seen. I, no. Yeah. <laughs> I love the the flashback stuff and the story that you get, and it puts all the context around Wanda. I really think that, like, the ghosts of Christmas past, like, way of doing it, where they, like, open a door and they're in a new memory, it's, like, uh, kind of goofy to me. And the fact that she's being led with this character, like the Agatha character that, like you said, has ulterior motives or like wants to know why she's so powerful, but you're trying to learn about Wanda at the same time. And I get the grief side big time, but Agatha wants to know like why she's the most badass witch. And that is like a weird pairing to me, especially that she's out of nowhere. And in general, they don't go to the real world in this episode. It's all flashback. So it's another episode of WandaVision that's like a completely different episode of WandaVision, which we should come to expect. But it's like, oh, I really liked last episode. And now they're switching. All the expectations are subverted again. And I don't like it. What the hell is this show? And it's summed up perfectly by a line in the freaking show with Vision is like, oh, shouldn't. Why is it funny? Because he got hurt. That's funny. And then Wanda's like, oh, it's not that kind of show. Or he says that or somebody says that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, WandaVision is not that kind of show where it's the same thing every episode. And it was a cool episode. Like, I'm with you, Robin, that, like, that show was a good show in its own little movie world. But it's different than every other episode. And what's going on with Vision? What's going on with Sword? What's going on with Darcy and Monica? All these other characters you left behind, which, like, episodes often do that. And they talk about one other character storyline, but it's not really great like storytelling, in my opinion. It kind of sucks that they do that. The show is really bad at that. Oh my Even goodness. Even though it's good in these little moments. And let me just check my notes one more time. If I could say something nice about this episode, I still have more mean things. But Don't. I do really do really like where she walks onto the empty property. Also that she's got like the deed and that scene was like really powerful where she's like, I was going to have a life here, and she finally takes over the town. Of all the things that I could bitch about, about the formatting, that was great. All the flashback stuff was great in general, but I really liked when she, like, went full Sims on the town, and she, like, yeah. built the house up. That was kind of fun. Again, stuff they could have, like, started the series off with that would have just made sense. We're still watching it anyway, and it's no good. Like, that might have made it better. <sighs> Retrospect, like, hindsight, I get it. If anyone's listening, then I'm sure they're like, shut the hell up already, will you? But <laughs> oh, I, I hate that they ch 
They change the format every episode, Joe. 24. I like that. It's the same thing every episode. You're going <laughs> to well, fight the terrorists. It's going to be 60 you, minutes of real-time stuff. You know what to expect. Here's... I understand what you're saying. I respectfully disagree. There are people out there that will hopefully that are listening or will hopefully listen. Tell your friends who agree with, you know, some people will agree with all of us, but it's frustrating. I like that the show changes every episode. 24 wouldn't have the format that it had. If 24 didn't exist, lost wouldn't have the format that it had. If lost didn't exist shows create, the format that we come to enjoy as a format for TV shows. And I'm really enjoying the way that WandaVision is setting things up and, and has, and, and has gone through. And I think it's extremely, again, I think it's extremely powerful from Wanda's psychological point that we learn why she has set up these sitcoms. It's what her fan, it's what she grew up on as a kid. Her dad well, sold I'm DVDs. I'm all for that, but the whole that- storytelling changes though. Like the actual yeah. story, mm-hmm. fine. But like the formatting of the show, the core show, they don't start with a, hey, what have we been into this week? And then, you know, like change it every week. It's, ba- yeah. it's bad. It's very bad that they do that. I liked Vision and Darcy. Where do Vision and Darcy go? Nowhere. Oh, I finally start to care. Never mind. They're not in this episode. Yeah. I mean, I think it just, it doesn't feel like a show. It feels like a movie that's been cut up into nine pieces. So, like, in a movie, you wouldn't expect, like, each section of the movie to have the same feeling. You would, like, it. this show only has the season-long arc. There is no, like, individual episode arc. I mean, a little bit at the beginning when they were, like, really leaning into the sitcom feel. But it feels like it's a movie, it's a movie. The first episodes are up. better in that sense because they're yeah. all exactly the same, really. Yeah. <laughs> so it just like, I think if they had taken all of this and smushed it together into one movie, it wouldn't have felt as unsettling. Like it, you, they could have easily done it as a regular Avengers movie, but maybe because of, I don't know, because of COVID, because of whatever, they were like, oh, we'll just drag this out and make it a show. You would know because they probably announced this seven years ago, and you've been well. Ready for it since then. I just think <laughs> I just think I have a different opinion, and this Ugh. is why we do this so we can debate our opinions. But I think that shows create different formats, and and diff and different people are going to like different shows formats. And I like the format of this show. Is not having a format a format? Yes. Serious question. Yes, it is. It one hundred percent is when you say okay, the format of our show is maybe not necessarily having a format each episode is going to be different and we're going to interact with each episode a different way i think that that is i mean it's just it's they you got to know when you set something like that up it's going to work for some fans and it's not going to work for others it's a show about nothing exactly that's exactly it or they were like oh shoot we thought we were making a movie and now it's a tv show chop it up into pieces (laughs) I don't think that's what this particular thing was. So something that I saw a lot on Twitter after this episode that I'd like everyone's take on is that there was a lot of discussion about this episode retconning Wanda's powers. And up until this point, we were told that she got her powers from the Mind Stone. But as of this episode, it turns out she might always have had powers So it is in response to Marvel, Disney acquiring 20th Century Fox and then being able to use mutants, which Wanda is. But did that 
jar any of you, that sort of retelling of Wanda's backstory, sort of not that far into us knowing Wanda? Like, it's, it's in Avengers Age of Ultron when we find out that she was experimented on by Hydra and got her powers from the Mind Stone. This has upset a lot of people. So my question is, are, are any of us upset by it? No. Or, no. Ro- I know Royce is just upset with maybe everything else except this. <laughs> I mean, I could be upset. I'll get upset about it if you want to. <laughs> I'm not upset about I mean, again, like, Wanda isn't a character that we really knew or cared about. So, like, None okay, of us if care. She ha- like, if she had some powers before, good for her. And they just got, like, enhanced by whatever Hydra did to her. Cool. Yeah. I agree. Robin, do you have a point of view on this? I had forgotten all about that plot line from Age of Ultron until this very moment where you brought it up, and now I'm a little angry about it. <laughs> so like Lorelai saying, like, we don't really know a whole lot about her, but I feel like every time we see her in anything, whether it's one of these episodes or in a movie, I always get very confused about Wanda, about Scarlet Witch, because I feel like they're constantly changing, like, her backstory or how she got her powers or, oh, look, she doesn't have an accent anymore. Or she sometimes kind of sort of has an accent and you don't really know what it is. So I now that you bring up the fact that they have already explained her powers, but now they're kind of re-explaining it, I am upset. <laughs> well, Marvel, okay. they're not good with continuity in general, like with like minute details. Like, I guess that maybe isn't a minute detail, but... I feel like that happens all the time in comic book movies where you're like, that's not exactly how it happened. So that's just one thing that you have to ignore to a degree. Yeah, I would say that this is not, this doesn't like conflict with what we already know about Wanda, right? Like we knew that she was experimented on by Hydra and got powers from that, but there was nothing, we didn't know anything about her. There was like no reason for us to not think that she didn't have powers so before. I agree and to Royce's point that's something that comic books in general have done since the creation of comic books it's just you can't pay too much attention with continuity because by the time you start to pay attention to continuity they reboot the universe right. or reboot a franchise and I agree Lorelai I have read comic books for a very long time and I would not consider this a retcon for so many reasons. Excuse me, could you define retcon for me? <laughs> <laughs> I meant to look up the specific definition. I have before no we idea what you're show. saying. I and I guess I can now because Royce loves editing. Retroactive continuity. Oh, yes. okay. Cool, 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 cool. So <laughs> I You're welcome, Doctor. Thank you. Would not consider this a retcon personally. Again, because we don't know anything about her pre her joining Hydra, but also I think we all know that as a mutant, the X gene can be activated by situations of extreme stress or duress. Like that's entirely what Deadpool, you don't even have to read comic books, but if you watch Deadpool, that's what it's about. He goes he ha- he gets cancer and then he goes to these experiments and the stress of what they put him under activates his X gene and he becomes a oh, yeah. So she um she interacts with the Mind Stone and it shows her a vision. She Wanda literally has a vision of the Scarlet Witch, and then her powers are either brought to the forefront or amplified or or however it works. 
So I would say that I don't consider it a retcon. And that's for everyone on Twitter. Take that. Take that. Um, okay. Well, I'm sorry. I wish you all liked this show more. Did you not see the post credit scenes? Oh, we saw the post credit scenes. So was, <laughs> wait, was the vision, was the white vision There's, thing a post credit yeah. scene? Okay, good, because that's the next thing on my notes. I was kind of worried there for a second. In this episode, we learned that Wanda created the Hex version of Vision. He manifested from her grief. There's no physical part to him, which is a little confusing, actually, for stuff that happened previously. Like, why would he be breaking apart when he left the Hex? If, anyway, we'll just go. So, Sword... It's a retcon. Sword had the... (laughs) Sword had the real vision the whole time, and they reactivate him using some of Wanda's powers. The mid credit scene ends with a white vision activating. That's how it, that's how it went. Yep. What do you think about that? Is it good or bad? That's Is he question. a good vision? Is he vision at all? So here's what I think. If vision is in there... He will be good and he will choose Wanda. That's just, that's been made clear this entire series. And and even more so by Darcy saying, the love you have is real, you're meant to be together, or whatever she says to Vision when they're in the truck. I think that there's a possibility that this might hint at who will be the big reveal that they've discussed being in the final episode. So, what do you think, Royce? You're shaking your head. Anytime there has been a bad guy based on somebody that's already in a series or a character that's like a clone or they're trying to recreate something, it always turns out to be evil, like Logan and then evil Logan or (laughs) Iron Man and evil Iron Man or Uh Hulk and evil Hulk. I can we we can literally go on Captain America and evil Captain America. All of Every single time that there is like the exact thing. All of MCU phase one, I think that was sort of the biggest complaint from from phase one was that every villain was just a bad version of the good guy, which is just the way Marvel Comics worked. I think they've extended from that as the phases went on with the exception of Doctor Strange. But anyway. I don't know. That's good wizard and bad wizard. It's still similar. No, that's what I mean. It's yeah. It's very similar. Um, so you think he'll be a bad guy? I mean, I've never written a TV show, but like that's the bad guys are making an, a weapon. It's, it's gonna not going to be, a, gonna be a weapon for good. It's the well, peace nuclear bomb. Vision, <laughs> to be fair, in the MCU, well, in MCU and publication history, Vision started out with the intention of being a bad guy. Ultron created him as Ultron's vision to be sort of the ultimate bad guy and vision turned out good so replaying that i don't think is necessarily out of the realm of possibility no matter how redundant it would be what do you think robin bad guy or good bad vision good vision 2020 or different uh, vision 1616 how does vision work (laughs) i have no idea uh it's not working too well after two margaritas i can tell you that (laughs) (laughs) If I had to guess, I would say it's probably going to be evil vision just based on the fact that he's white and colorless and does new white vision. He doesn't have a stone at all, right? He was just pure white. And isn't that what makes him 
him is the the stone being part of him? Well, it's it's sort of a culmination of stuff, but what they were trying, I mean, in um, Infinity War, they were trying to remove the stone so that they could destroy it without destroying Vision, hoping that Jarvis's code would be the redeeming code. Bruce Banner in Infinity War says, Vision is made up of Jarvis, Tony, Bruce, the stone, and Ultron. So if you remove the stone, there's a lot of good left in Vision. So that, and then they try to remove the stone and it doesn't work. But now the stone's destroyed and that's really the question. What are the consequences of the stone being removed and sword activating Vision? And it might be bad, but it might be bad and then good. Who knows? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you think, Lorelai? I think he's going to be bad. I think the show's (laughs) going to culminate in a Vision v. Vision battle. Oh, no. I didn't even think of that, but that's so lame. (laughs) Or like Vision v. Vision plus Wanda and Agatha's like hanging out. I don't know. But like when Agatha was revealed and I was like, oh, so that's the big bad. You were like, this isn't the big bad. Like maybe bad Vision is the big bad. Maybe. So I think he's going to be bad. I think I agree with Robin that like he's lifeless and cold looking like they wouldn't make it that way if he was going to be good. Um, So, yeah, we'll see. I am vision human cyborg relations. What if (laughs) I would assume there is going to be a vision V vision battle as most Marvel entities end up in. But Mm -hmm. what if. Good vision and bad vision merge, merge, Ooh. and they have to merge Ooh. so that way fake vision can become real vision. Yeah, and he can keep on living outside of the hex, and they can live happily ever after. I love that, and I think that would be a great way for the show to go. I think they have to bring back vision. That's in a season some finale way. where you're like, did they merge? I don't know. <laughs> They're not going to tell you. I love that idea. I hope that that's the way it goes. I think that there's another possibility here, and I think it leads into sort of the surprise cameo that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have discussed. So Bettany has said that the cameo is someone he has great on-screen chemistry with and has acted with before, and it really makes me think he's talking about himself, so it could just be a vision slash vision thing. I think that it's not outside of the realm of possibility that we get an Ultron-type bad guy here because Vision is made up of some part of Ultron and and S.W.O.R.D. nefariously brought him back online. It could be Magneto. I think that's what everyone's pushing for. I think Robin would love it if it were Magneto, one of, one of the Magnetos. No, very specific Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need another big bad, though. It's it's stupid. We, you could just have Sword versus Wanda. Yeah. Period. I don't know why I, you need to have another. Like, this show sucks, man. Ugh, it's so bad. I really God. like it, but I think I think a very plausible. Um, I think a very plausible cameo, and what I want, one I want to get all of your feelings on is Doctor Strange monitors all magical threats in our realm. Hmm. So why wouldn't he show up? Right now he's got Wanda's hex and he's got Agatha creating all kinds of magic. 
I think that he might be the one that shows up. Would would we be satisfied with the ending of the show if Benedict Cumberbatch showed up as Doctor Strange? Is that is that a satisfying cameo for us? I mean, yeah, that would be a way to do it. I don't think that's like that big of a surprise. Yeah, it's a little more of an obvious choice, but yeah, I do like Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, just Strange. <laughs> I feel like for it to be a cameo, it has to be like a new actor. Maybe. Or from some other part of the MCU that hasn't been in the in the show or in the maybe it'll yet. be Tobey Maguire, Spider Man. Well, I was like, just how googling the fuck did I get here? all the movies that Paul Bettany's been in, and he and Kirsten Dunst were in a movie together. So maybe it's that Mary Jane. Please no. <laughs> or this might be one thing Robin and I can agree on in all of this. <laughs> What if it's Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that's how they leeway into Falcon and mm, the Winter Soldier? That'd be another way. What if they Maybe. just literally swoop in and they kick a bunch of ass, and then they save Wanda and fake Vision, and uh, Wanda and Vision go back to live wherever, and we never see them again, and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier premieres. <laughs> I Ta-da! might use this as the audiogram for this episode. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. That's episode seven and eight of WandaVision. We have gotten nowhere, and <laughs> I hope we all enjoy the finale. Next time we record the finale, tell your friends. Guess what? It's surprise question time. Woo! Guess what? I asked Twitter again for a surprise question to ask you all in this week's episode, and no one responded. Is that the surprise? <laughs> Surprise. No one asked Can I go question. first? <laughs> so, the surprise question for this week for all of us, and I actually I think this will lead into our discussion next week next recording. What is your favorite MCU movie? And that can include uh Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home, and The Incredible Hulk starring Edward Norton. Robin. <laughs> I'm going to go with Thor Ragnarok. I can put that movie on as like background noise and I will still enjoy the fact that the movie is on. I've seen it probably at least 20 times since it came out, if not more. Probably more if you count putting it on in the background to clean or do other activities. I feel like that movie can do no wrong. It's fun, like it's funny. It has a good plot line. It's very well thought out and put together, and I'm going to place a lot of that credit on Taika Waititi because he is awesome. He is very good at what he does, 100%. Royce, what is your favorite MCU? Mm, I would love to steal your answer because that is a really good one. That one's definitely way high on the list for being like one of the more intriguing Marvel movies that's not just straight up like, I got superpowers and now I got to overcome adversary or whatever. It's just so funny. What's the word I'm going mm-hmm. to break in real quick. That will also be my answer. So if we all <laughs> want to have the same answer, it's fine. Mm, no, I also really like <laughs> Doctor Strange and I'm going to probably go with that one because I think he's like, you're talking about superheroes that are relatable. He's like, I want to have powers so I can heal my hands because I need to go back to being a surgeon because I'm a really awesome surgeon. Give me the powers. He is and, a doctor. Yeah. As am I. <laughs> mm. Maybe you can become right. the Sorcerer Supreme. That'd be fun. Which is a sorcerer with 
sour cream and chives. <laughs> ha ha ha. Laugh track time. Anyway, that's mine. I like Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange's great. Hope he shows up in WandaVision and saves the day. What's your favorite MCU movie, Lorelai? I mean, I think we probably all have the same answer at this point, but I would also put Guardians of the Galaxy up there in the same vein of Thor Ragnarok, like airs more on the funny comedy side, has a fun soundtrack, easy to just like, it's so easy to watch. It's still interesting and relatable because he's a human, half human. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of a god, isn't yeah. he? Right? Yeah. Well, he the funny thing about the first movie is that he keeps calling himself the Star Lord, mm. but like it doesn't make sense because you think he's just a human who is kidnapped from Earth and he's trying right. to call himself Star Lord. So it's a mm. funny thing. It it's like the second one where it comes out that he's actually part not human. So yeah, yeah, the end of the first one. But yeah, yeah. Um, my answer is Thor Ragnarok. I think it's just it's. Incredible. It's new. It was new. It it was again a lot like WandaVision in that it it was this sort of extending into this new way of telling these stories. Um and it was fun and funny and, and extremely enjoyable. And just to see Thor sort of having gone a little bit a little bit mad after spending two years alone in space by him, you know, and then he ends up at Inserter's cage, I think that that just made the movie so fun. So Thor Ragnarok and Take a Watiti. So good. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast so far. Or actually this far, because it's over now. If you like the show, show your support by leaving us a review wherever you're tuning in from. Spotify, iTunes, Twilicker. Podbeam, Twilicker, wherever you're listening from, <laughs> they have a way to review. So leave us a review there. And you can follow us on Twitter at Krypton Alderon or send us an email Krypton to Alderon at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We sure would. <laughs> All right. That's the show. I've been Royce. I've been Robin. I've been Lorelai. It's actually Dr. Oh, Lorelei. I've been Dr. Lorelai. And I've been Dr. Strange. Just kidding. I'm just regular strange. <laughs> and we've been Krypton, Krypton to Alderon. Alderon.